Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, where we believe that lifelong learning and relentless determination are essential to developing your passions and reaching your goals. Here to help you along the way are the hosts of the show. Take it away, ladies. Hey, y'all. I'm Brooke. And I'm Farron. As educators and high achievers, we're passionate about providing our listeners with effective strategies to help navigate life's obstacles and reach your goals sooner. Join us as we break down credible research that gives you a fresh perspective and challenges your limiting beliefs. Laugh and grow as we share personal anecdotes and interviews from people that have demonstrated what it takes to be successful. By implementing these practices, you will develop your unique skill set and learn how to better serve your community. Get your mind right. And enjoy this time designed just for you. Episode 93 of our Dream Big mini-series by Bob Goff. Yes. Well, the book's by Bob Goff. We, <laughs> the miniseries is by us. <laughs> we are not employed by Bob Goff. Nor do we sound like Bob Goff. He sounds much better. True. I mean, so happy. Definitely more animated in his voice. But hey, Bob, if you're hiring, let us know. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are going to cover chapters 7 through 9, which is in part 1. So this is part 2 of part 1. Yes, for those of you playing along at home... We should make, like, punch cards. That'd be cool. Yeah. (laughs) Next time. (laughs) Later. In the future. Yeah. Okay. Chapter 7. Chase the Jeep. There's a big difference between waving at Jesus and following him. Yes. So in this, he tells an anecdote about how he is traveling somewhere and it's a custom. If you are waving to someone, that means follow me. And so he thought he was just saying hi to all these people. And then the crowd kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he's like what's happening? And he's like, you're telling them to follow you. Whoopsies. Oh, he's like, maybe that's what I've been doing at God. I've just been waving instead of following. Yeah. I think there's a big difference between acknowledging his existence and actually following what he's called you to do. Yes. And so one um, analogy that Bob uses, we're on a first name basis already. That only took the second episode. Yes. Um, He talks about, you know, if your life is a room and your room is full of activities and attitudes. And I always think of, is it Step Brothers where he's like, did bunk beds. So now we have more room, for, so much room activities. for activities. Yes. So again, a room full of activities and attitudes. How much room? First of all, is there room for Jesus? And like, is it the back corner of your closet or that random shelf that you can't really see unless you're in the mm-hmm. closet? Um, so he talks about how if, again, Using this illustration, if you took everything out of your room and put Jesus in first and then the next important things, but you wouldn't put everything back because you want to be sure to give Jesus enough room to work. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think I've seen like this jar example where they have different size like yes. marbles and ping pong balls and sand. And if you put them in in a certain order, they don't fit not even close. But if you adjust the order you put them in, then they all fit. So um, I think we all have stuff we could do away with, um, but just because you're choosing Jesus does not mean you can't have anything else. I don't think God wants that for you, but there's definitely things that should be in that room, and you'll know what those things are by starting with Jesus. Right, and he makes it a very specific point that you don't compartmentalize your faith. Like, you don't have just this Jesus box like that I open on Sunday or I open during when I listen to the dab or when I am reading the Bible recap, anything like that, it should be, God should be in all those pockets 
Involve God in your marriage. Involve God in your friendships. Involve God in your kids' lives. Involve God in whatever it is that you're doing. Yes, and so this intentional faith practice will help you stay clear on and focused on the road ahead, and that will also help you stare down your fears, knowing that He has your back and can handle anything that comes your way. I definitely can do kind of a self-check-in whenever I'm feeling super anxious and overwhelmed. I can correlate that with not as much time spent with God. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I start turning back to Him, I feel better, like, literally, like, instantly. Yes. Instantly. Whether it's turning on worship music, um, like you mentioned, listening to different daily audio Bible or the Bible recap. There's a lot of different ways to get God back in your mind. Even just texting a friend mm-hmm. and asking her. Message us. To we'll pray you for back. her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For her to pray for me. Anywho. Yeah. Definitely. The Bible also talks about how they, as in non-Christians, will know us by how we act and how we love each other and one another. Not just other Christians, but loving all people. And that's, Bob Goff has a book called Love, or he has Love Does and Everybody Always, which is about loving everybody always, all of the time. It's a great book. Didn't you just come out with, like, a kid's version, too? Yes, at the time of this recording, his daughter's book is out, and it's Everybody Always for Kids, so definitely check that out. We will link it. Oh, man. When we work in schools, I definitely think our kids could learn to love each other a little bit, Mm -hmm. a little bit more. If you're also looking for another book that's Jesus-y and it helps kids know how to respond, you can check out episode 79. It's Betsy Adams, and her devotional book for kids is Saved Now What? So it talks about what that actually looks like. And it ties all back into how everyone will know who we are. We are Christians by how we love one another and how we act. Yeah, makes a good gift too. Mm -hmm. All right, and so at the end of the chapter, I do like how he says, darkness doesn't need to destroy us. It only needs to distract us. And again, when you're checking in with yourself, you might say, oh, I'm not doing too bad, right? I'm not consumed by darkness. But living kind of that lukewarm um, repetitious, not really going anywhere life. Um, that's still the work of the devil. So watch out for that, being that complacent self. Now, that's not the same as being satisfied with the, what you got and not trying to keep up with the Joneses. But again, you're probably here because you have a passion or fire burning inside that you just got to get out of you. And so, again, anything trying to convince you to ignore that or not pursue that is probably not from God. I like how you said distract and not destroy and how it's sneaky. And that's sneaky. what we talked about in Jenny Allen's miniseries too. It's sneaky. So if you are keeping a daily journal, then you can see over the course of time, oh crap, this is <laughs> this is the thing that's happening every day. Sorry I said crap, mom. I know you hate that word. We should make the beep sound. <laughs> beep. Sorry I said beep. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to get the k and the p on the end of the... <laughs> we'll work on that (laughs) again he says if you want to get after your ambitions don't take the bait because that's the thing about distractions guys Mm -hmm. who doesn't want to just surf their phone and all the social media yeah it's easy who doesn't want to eat the whole row of oreos listen i feel seen can of pringles (laughs) man yeah so don't take the bait bait is attractive Don't take it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Chapter 8. 
Getting to the new part. It doesn't matter who you were. God cares about who you are becoming. Yes, like we mentioned last episode, we are constantly renewed. He makes, uh, there's many verses we used, especially with Switch on Your Brain and Jenny Allen about how we are made new. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. It talks about how we're made new, born again. It's this whole sense of we are refreshed and we need to keep changing and evolving about how we need to be what God wants us to be and has called us to be. Yeah, and I like to have the subtitle talks about it doesn't matter who you were because I do think that past regrets and mistakes tend to haunt us um, longer than God would have intended them to do. Right, so, if that thing you did in seventh grade and you still cringe at it, like, ooh, think about uh, maybe something that is more serious, that is more shameful, that is in your past. Are you still holding on to that? Because we need to press on, work through that. We are called to not live in shame anymore. Yeah, and that reminds me of a really good episode I just listened to recently from The Ed Milet Show. Definitely recommend if you are not following or tuned into his episodes. He's got a lot of great ones. I do have to tell you, some um, people he interviews have strong language. But Ed Milet is a Christian, believes in God, gives glory to God in what he does. And he's pretty good about giving you a heads up if it's going to be intense. But there you go. That's your warning from me. Um, So the episode is called From Stress to Freedom with Peter Crone. And I hadn't ever heard of Peter Crone. Uh, The episode aired on December 1st, 2020. Um, But he talked about how we relate to time, um, future, past, and specifically like our anxiety. And so if something has happened in the past, he does a better job explaining this, but I think I do a pretty good job too. Yeah, you do. (laughs) But go check it out. So because we're afraid of and shame of Because we're afraid and have shame of what happened in the past, and we're so worried we don't want anything like that to happen in the future, we live as if that thing is going to happen, because that's how we heighten our awareness and sensitivity to try to avoid it. And so he just talks about the importance of letting go of those past mistakes so you can have a different future, a different present, and a different future, because that fear that you have, that anxiety you're giving, is manifesting the exact thing you don't want to happen. Your body, your mind is living in a state where it's like the trauma is happening. And if you think about it, the physical effects of like anxiety, like the panic attacks, um, the toll it takes on your heart, everything science has related to the physical effects are the same that come from those traumas in the moment. So again, definitely go check that out if you are struggling with um, things that have happened in the past. We're all about counseling and therapy too. So if you need that, um, we are big supporters and we encourage you to take those steps. Yeah, episodes 28 through 38 will help you there too with Brene Brown's Daring Greatly miniseries. Throw that out there. I like how in this chapter it talks about how you are not stuck where you are. So I know a lot of people are like, I feel like I made a mistake either going with this career or that career. I chose this path and not this path. But just know if you are aligned with God and doing what he is calling you to do, he is building and equipping you. So sometimes you are in that job so that you can develop skill sets to use later on. Bob Goff gives a great example about himself. He's this rock star lawyer, teaches at Pepperdine, crushing it, and then one day walks in his firm and says, 
yeah, I quit. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? And he's like, yeah, hey, you, you're in charge. I trust you. Okay, I'm leaving. And they're like, Bob, wait, what are you doing? He's like, I, I really think I need to go do this thing. And he talks more about it in Everybody Always, about how he's leveraging that lawyer career. And he just mentions it in this book too. But being a lawyer was a way to pay to open schools in other countries. So that money was funding what he is called to do. So even if you are called to do something, but you're not getting paid for it, still do the thing. And maybe the thing that gives you the money is the way that helps kind of clear the path towards the thing that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I've shared before my own experiences on the show with my career becoming a teacher. Um, I was going to coach high school soccer and be a math teacher but then in college, math got really hard. Yeah, I started putting <laughs> letters in it. Who does that? And man, y'all, I went to math tutoring every night. I And it just got to a point as I went down the math courses, you know how it is. Like, you got to take this your first year and this your second year. It didn't matter how much effort I gave it. It wasn't clicking. And so that turned me to, well, how about elementary school teachers? And I only was dogging that cause back in the day because I wanted to coach high school soccer. I loved soccer, wanted to play it, etc. Um, but I did. I enjoyed working with young kids. I just did not want to teach reading because that was hard and I didn't know how I ever learned how am I going to teach anyone else. And so I got a job, first grade, where it turns out all you teach them is how to read. So mm-hmm. it's just... Thanks! Yeah. <laughs> but then that led... I didn't know then... But all the training I took to be successful at teaching first graders how to read led and developed this passion into loving to teach young children how to read. And now I'm all about dyslexia and it's super exciting. And if someone would have told me back in high school or early in college that I was going to be like dyslexia guru, golly, just obsessed with it. I would have laughed at them. (laughs) I don't Um, even like reading is what you would have said. (laughs) <laughs> and then teach the kids that really struggle how to read. You're crazy. So. Teach a younger me? Cool. No way. That but, I mean, crazy. that even goes back to, like, God even had you struggle with that. Yep. So that way you knew exactly how to teach it later on. Yeah, I don't think... Weird. I don't think we always know why certain things happen. But it is neat to get the you nod. Can, yeah, mm-hmm. when you can see some purpose. But you know what that takes? Stepping forward in faith, even if you don't have much faith. Oh, for sure. Gotta take that action. Gotta okay. keep moving forward. I might be misremembering, but when you got hired on, that wasn't even what you were gonna teach, right? Well, they're like either first grade reading or third grade math. And I said, Great. I would like third grade math. They said, We'll let you know. Called me back two days later. Which is code so, for. <laughs> we decided you're gonna teach first grade. Yay! And it was the, my first year was still to me my best year. Well, good. Maybe because I didn't know any better. You know, but <laughs> ignorance is bliss. I don't know. It was. It was great. Anywho, I digress. <laughs> so getting to the new part. So yeah. you don't have to stay stuck. And if you are stuck currently, make sure that is active waiting that you're doing. Keep building the skill sets. And Farron hit on that in Jenny Allen's miniseries. Yes. And along those same lines, maybe you might be sitting there thinking... I don't need to be any more new. I am so new. I'm already new enough. 
<laughs> um, he does add this at the end. Again, he kind of always comes full circle at the end with the maybe devil's advocate kind of reader like myself. <laughs> he says the affirmation you get from the things you're good at can mask the changes we still need to make. So if we only operate within our old capabilities, we'll never get to the new us and therefore not get to your ambitions. So um, if you feel like you're already doing great at everything, find something that you're not so great at and work on that. And guess what? <laughs> Ask someone close to I was you. <laughs> say, if you don't think there's anything you need to work on, pride is the thing. <laughs> that's one. Um, and I'm sure you have people that truly love you but could shed some light on the topic. And that's where I'll leave that. Yeah. If you're still here on the earth, you've still got a job to do. Always. Okay. Chapter nine. Sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. Being fully awake looks a lot like staying completely engaged. Mm, mm, mm. I feel like this is a lot of people. Yes. Um, I equate the sleepwalking to numbing, and that can look a million different ways. Yes. And also comfort, which as a nine, I know a little Enneagram nine. I know a little <laughs> something about some comfort. Okay. <laughs> So doing whatever it takes to remain in comfort, even if it means doing the same thing every day. Mm. Yes. So um, That would drive a seven crazy. Yeah. Well, and to check in with yourself on this, he provides the question. He says, in what areas in your life have you slipped into numbing routines? And so recently, I don't know what that even means anymore. I don't know what day it is. Let's say within the last Safe year. Safe to say it's a Friday night. Yes. Within within the last year. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I might be the only mom like this. But the bedtime routine drives me bonkers. Bonkers. I don't know why, but it does. It's the fight. It's time. And it's not really even a fight. It's just that I'm exhausted. But everybody's bed, tired. Oh, Like I don't want to hear that. Like, I've been counting down to 8 p.m. all day. It is time for bed. <laughs> Mama needs some sleep. Yes. And then it's the, I got to brush my teeth. I need pot to go potty. I need one more water bottle. I want one more book. I want more. And, oh, my gosh, I just would hate the bedtime routine. But I also had this other thing going on with some mom guilt, right? Like, we're so busy. I don't get to spend quality time, all this kind of stuff. And I don't remember where I heard this. But so far, it's proven to be true. So I don't, I did not make it up, <laughs> but I mean, I'll, I'll share it. And if you remember that I said it, that's cool. That somebody said, um, when you in, are interacting with your kids, it's like the first five minutes and the last five minutes that are like the most important. So I have noticed that like, if we have a bad day at dinner, somebody, something, who knows, we forgot we had homework. Now we're doing that late, whatever. If I can make the last five minutes of the night quality they they do their whole mood shifts they're going to bed in a good mood I'm going to bed in a usually honest good mood sometimes it's just a good smile on my face and I'll be happy when I'm in my bed but I, I've definitely seen a shift in like just the room energy the tension in the room their own spirit if I so that's how I've shifted my mind i don't enjoy the bedtime routine, but now I'm looking at, at it as my opportunity. I might not have got to spend time with them at home when we got home, making dinner, doing my own schoolwork, running to basketball, all the things. 
But man, I can make the five minutes before bed awesome. Mm -hmm. And so this whole being completely engaged, being intentional with that time. And so one, I don't dread it as much because I look at that time of day as an opportunity. And two, it's helping with some mom guilt. Like then I'd put them to bed and I'd feel bad that I was in a bad mood right before I put them to bed before another busy day. And then three, they have responded to it like awesome, which is all I want. So anywho, definitely check into some routines. What's stressing you out? What's sucking the life out of you? Um, what are you going through numbly that you can, you know, shift, make a shift on? Right. He, Bob Goff talks about how you need to be ready to step into that opportunity. So when you do recognize, oh man, scrolling through Facebook the last 30 minutes before I go to bed isn't as productive as reading a devotional or praying until I fall asleep or whatever it is that you feel like doing that's going to help put you in the upward trajectory. And he also talks about how it's going to get uncomfortable and that's okay. But Farron, I love how you said all you, the one tweak you needed to do was have a mindset shift around it. All you did was just change your perspective. And now those five minutes y'all are thriving as opposed to just treading water, sort of also sinking under the water. So all that took was just a mindset shift, and that's a choice that you make every day. And not every day you're going to want to do it, but back to your philosophy of what would a, a quote, good mom do, or what's going to make my mom guilt go away? Okay, it's going to make sure these last five minutes are key to our time together. Yes, and I don't know. I feel like I have to say this. It's not really a good segue, (laughs) but to go back. And the first five minutes, so usually my kids, they walk down to my classroom after school, and I'm always working, always. I'm always in the middle of something really important when they walk in. But if I will stop and give them all my attention for, again, about the first five minutes, it, it interrupts what I'm doing, but it's one interruption. And I have some control because I'm choosing to interrupt myself. But if I give them five minutes of my attention when they first walk in, they happily entertain themselves the rest of the time. If I don't give them that first five minutes, they spend a long time trying to get that attention. And my response is, no, I'm working. Not now. Later. Mm-hmm. Stop. Now you're upsetting me because you're not making me well, be able and to And what's focus. happening psychologically to exactly. the kid is saying, you're not as important as exactly. this thing that I'm paying attention to. Exactly. So, and that's, that is really hard to undo. So if you can catch it on the front end, mm-hmm. like you were saying, Farron, mom life is stop-start everything. It is. <laughs> I'll walk and put something in the laundry room, and then I'll walk by a toy to go put it up, and then I'll walk by a dish and have to go put it up, and then I forgot to start the washing machine, mm-hmm. and now what? So if you can start with one task or focus on that one thing, there are fewer interruptions, but also you just maximized your time and made yep. others feel seen. So, um, just a side mom recommendation. Um, so if you need more like direction on how to engage, he did list out quite a few things. He said, engage with the people around you with love, honesty, and an unreasonable amount of expectation. And I love this concept of living in constant anticipation. And I think the way he uses that word, because I was like, okay, Constant anticipation, like you're going to win the lottery, 
like the, the publisher's clearinghouse is going to show up at <laughs> yeah. your door. And to me, the way that translated in my mind is that um, you're looking for opportunities. Yes. And something to be thankful yeah. for. Something to be excited about. And how many opportunities are passing you by or you're passing by because you're just got the blinders on, you're doing the same routine every day, not venturing for a plethora of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, engaging could just be that constant anticipation, that constant looking for opportunities, which will lead to progress. Mm-hmm. Bob talks about identifying it and taking action. So what is keeping you stuck? What are your stressors, your time wasters? What do you need to switch up and shake up? And he talks about ways to do this. He says you can get still with God. You can pray. You can meditate. You can journal. You can rest. You need to get energy somehow. If working out helps you do that, if moving your body does that, do it. If eating healthy does that for you, do it. Hopefully we're tapping into all those things of rest, eat healthy, move, um, and journaling, praying, talking to God. That's all going to be great. And it helps when you tune in to your body and know what it looks like when you're tired. Or Same thing with hangry. <laughs> what does it look like when you're really hungry or really thirsty? So make sure you recognize that. That way you can see that coming on and taking care of that. Yeah, and just to reiterate what you're saying, because um, we both have hardworking men. We do. Um, but I, So I like the part where it said, people who refuse to rest eventually run out of steam. The reason for their failure is simple. They're winded. They're burnt out. And so sometimes when things are going awry, I just would hope that our hardworking audience knows that maybe just slowing down for a second, that working more isn't necessarily... Like that not day, better. Yeah. Quality over quantity. Yeah. Okay. Well, that wraps up episode 93. That happened pretty quickly, I feel. It did, but we gave our audience a lot to go back and like <laughs> work on and yes. think about and journal about. That's good. Okay, so this is wrapping up episode 93 of Dream Big, our mini-series featuring Bob Goff's book, and that was specifically episodes, episodes, chapters 7 through 9. All right, see you back here for part three of part one. Part three of part one. (laughs) Bye. We help busy Christian women get the growth they want by giving them the tools they need in order to have happier, healthier lives. We love providing our Christian-based personal growth podcast to our listeners at no cost. If you are enjoying the content, please consider supporting our mission by donating to our Patreon We're a small team creating the show for our community by researching, recording, and producing the episodes ourselves. Any amount is greatly appreciated. Your support will help offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you can receive exclusive access. For more details on specific membership tiers, visit our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com forward slash witty and gritty. We've included the link in the show notes.